welcome to Consultants Without Borders. In today's episode, we have four hosts, uh, Dima, Sam, Yusuf, and me, Afkar. Um, in today's episode, episode nine, we're going to discuss a plethora of things, starting with uh, the current political climate and um, our opinions around that. And then we'll uh, take a look at diversity in the workplace, and then we'll finish it with the list segment where we look at our top three games. Uh, before we get started, uh, we're going to take a uh, we're going to take a look at today's word of the day, which is uh, evocative, which means um, in bringing strong images, memories, or feelings to mind. Uh, a synonym to this word is reminiscent, so can use it exchangeably. I'm pretty sure that's what synonym means. Anyways, now diving straight into the first topic, uh, I'm going to let uh, Sam introduce the topic and uh, lead the conversation. So before Hello. Sam introduces it, I want to say hi. Okay, go on, Sam. We're like nine episodes in. This is wild. I did, I never thought we'd be nine episodes in. It's quite nice. We yeah. almost have a season. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think as soon as like restrictions start to lift, we might start having lives again. But as of now, <laughs> you don't know me. Uh, okay, so let me let me introduce the first topic. So, I mean, obviously, everyone's aware of the political climate um, I mean, across the world in general. Uh, Fifty states, I think, at one point, eighteen different countries. Um, you know, I'm speaking about the Black Lives Matter protest started initially in 2013. Um, so, that would be seven years ago. Um, it was started by three three like um, black community organizers and it was started off the death of Trayvon Martin which was a kid killed by a police officer who was then later acquitted um, and is free and is roaming the streets um, so <laughs> so uh, basically uh, first question is um, I'm sure you're all perfectly aware of everything that's going on what are your general kind of feelings towards towards the whole movement as a whole um, I'll start off, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the movement is what it is. I, I think it's it's having some effects. My kind of concern is initially I kind of went, you know, that's bad what they did to the guy. But then more as information keep coming forward about like the situation and what, other things that are happening, yeah. I kind of started taking a look at some of the stuff that happened before. So I was taking a look at some of the pieces done by like John Oliver and um, some of the other like um, TV show hosts who have covered this in the past. And I was Trevor looking Noah. at, yeah, Trevor Noah. I saw a piece from 2016, which is now four years ago. And it, whatever he said, it was exactly the same as it is now. And yeah. that kind of made me feel like, obviously I had this reaction last time and I'm, I'm having this reaction now, but obviously nothing has changed. So, the reaction I'm having and the reaction everyone is having is obviously not impacting anything. So should we be doing something else or should we be doing something different? And this also goes back, uh, I can't remember where I read this or saw this. It was, um, they had people um, do um, a report and like suggestions on uh, every time there's been a riot in the US. So 19, yeah. like 1890s, 1895, 1920s, 1945 1960s so like five six riots and then like one of the guys who did it in the mid 19 so 1970 ish he was saying it's always 
like the review has always been the same suggestions, you know, reduce police brutality, implement laws uh, for like um, equality, blah, blah, blah. And it's never like been implemented. And I'm, I'm suggesting the same thing. And that was almost 120 years ago. And it feels like it's the same thing, which kind of gets me thinking like, obviously whatever we're doing doesn't seem to have any impact. And, yeah. and at, at that point, it's just, I'm not sure what, like what to do. You might? I, also think, I also think like, um, so the viewers know, Sam is, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not black. <laughs> just so you guys know that um, my, my views are of an ally um, but yeah feeding off what Afra was saying it seems like regardless of what we do in terms of uh, spreading awareness or like talking to people it doesn't seem to have that significant impact because it's it's structural racism it's not it's not merely about changing uh, your colleague's view it's about um looking at the root of the, the cause of the problem like at the roots and that's that's something that needs to be done but and to answer your question uh, sam you're saying like what's like what's my view I think we discussed this earlier, like every single time it happens, it always shocks me, regardless of um, like the police brutality, I, I guess it's, it's, it, it seems so count police should be protecting those, yet they're the ones causing harm. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't matter the number of cases that I've seen, because I know in the US they have like a, a ridiculous number of police brutality or people killed from police brutality every single one of those cases it's um it's it's always causes me a shock like i'm always surprised like how could someone do this how could someone willingly and consciously be able to like plainly put like murder someone else on their job right yeah oh and and obviously i don't know how black people are feeling but like from what I'm feeling, I'm feeling very like I'm scared. I'm like I'm shocked. I'm like it, there's a lot of feeling of helplessness and like and also just there's like there's it's hard to look forward because the past doesn't really help. So I guess um, yeah, that's that's my overall like first initial thoughts. And I guess we can discuss deeper, but Yusuf, what are your thoughts? Again, just kind of like the tragedy of it, like just, I don't know, like when, especially when you're faced with something like, and especially having it on video, seven minute or however long it was of somebody actually being like strangled to death, basically like it, it's, yeah, like you're shocked. Like you just, you wouldn't think that something like that would be re recorded and especially not in a place like, you know, most powerful country in the world, USA. The land of the free. In the land of the free, exactly. And, and especially bearing in mind a country built, you know, by immigrants as well, which is, it's, it's, I know it, it, like, shocking to say the least, but, like, how, how, like, how little, we, like, and in terms of how far we've gone, it's been like, like, you think, like, there's, there should have been progress over the years, over so many, like, past incredible leaders, Malcolm X, uh, Martin Luther King, like all these incredible people, you would have think, you would have thought, like, surely there should have been a change in mentality 
and, and the dynamic should have changed. But the way it's like, it's, it's almost like stayed the same. It's been like static the whole time. And I don't know, like it, it, it kind of begs the question, like, is it, is it people aren't like, you know, intending to be racist? Is it like just deep down, they are just discriminating against black people? Is it like where they don't, I don't know, they just, they, they see a black person and it's like instinctively, like they think, nah, I, you know, he's doing something wrong. He's, um, he's robbing someone. Because I think- He's a criminal, yeah. It was over like, um, was it a $20 bill or something? And they yeah, counterfeit, yeah. yeah. Counterfeit. You know, especially over $20, like is it worth staying, you know, having your knee on someone's back for nine minutes? Like, especially once you've handcuffed the guy. The guy's handcuffed, like he's not going to do nothing. You're, you know, he's surrounded by four other, other cops. It's, I know it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, there's no justification for that action. Like you Actually, can't justify. I don't know, man. You know the police the police brutality thing. Definitely, like Dima was saying, like it's just you know to to serve and to protect. Literally written on the badge right there on his shirt, like, and they're doing the complete opposite. And I, I think I was seeing there's all the figures. It's like eighty nine, I think, police brutality cases, like during like during a specific number of years. And this, by bear in mind, wasn't even just black folk as well. White folk, Hispanic, like everything. Eighty-nine seems low. Like I, I know, like there's police officers. Yeah, with it's, it's definitely 80, high. It's like a thousand. Like there's, there's like an. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't mean eighty-nine within the UK? Actually, so the, the my follow-up question is, is so everyone's kind of talked, spoken about this this feeling of kind of despair and shock. Um, I think you know, I mean, I I at this point in time, and I'm no longer shocked by the graphic images that we keep seeing, um, yeah. not, and, 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 I, and I say that as in, because once you, I mean, it's kind of what's pushed out there, but when you kind of see perpetually a specific type of image or specific videos on, you know, people calling up the police because, oh, they saw a yeah. black man kind of walking, you know, and they were like, well, I don't know what he's doing in the area, but I've never seen him before, so he can't live here. It's kind of this, um, I mean, this, I think the best best example was like Stormzy. Like, he yeah. got called the cops on his own, in his own own house. house. People didn't think he he lived there. Like, I'm sorry. Like, how do you know? How do you know who lived? Like, I understand like safety, but like, geez. But even then, even then, when it's like, you can't hear him breaking in, but just for you to just go in your head, you know what? I'm just gonna be on the safe side, and I'm gonna call the cops. You know what I mean? Like you don't like it's 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 that per, uh, pervasiveness of like you see a white person if you see them going towards a house, your automatic thought isn't that they're breaking in. Yeah. They could be, but yeah. that's not your automatic thought. And it's and it's um, 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 Malcolm Gladwell in one of his books talking to strangers he calls it um, truth default theory, which is the assumption uh, this this kind of theory that essentially says that humans human beings find it very 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 difficult to f detect when someone is lying and the reason for this is because we automatically default to the truth yeah. you automatically think someone is being honest or someone is being good in a situation however it seems like with black people it's the complete opposite way you see them and you go ah that person must be doing something dodgy and therefore i've got to hold them accountable it's, so it's human the psychology like we think no one lies because we like why is like most of the time if you don't lie you're successful and that's how we yeah. built up our society and all of a sudden again i think it's yeah it comes back to kind of our nature in the sense that if you're different 
you you must be initial like your your problem you're never like part of like even if, if you're different you're not like a good you're never going to be a good person if you're different yeah, but, but that, what, what is that then you see something like that as well something that's especially like the psychological factor like is it kind of certain amount of education or you know awareness actually changes the way they think like how do you actually change you know white people especially like elderly white folk from thinking you know what just because it's, it's a it's, it's a black person that person isn't trying to th threaten me he's not trying to take my bag or Whatever that might if, be. If I could weigh in on that, um, I don't, I, yes, I think it's important to change people's like perception, whatever. But at the yeah. same time, you, you can't give them the tools to discriminate. The system's set up where if you want to discriminate a black person, you can. If those tools are taken no, away, not. then yeah. obviously the instances of discrimination goes down. And then you can take a look at people's uh, perception and how people treat each other. But like letting the police like be called upon just because you're black, like that that makes no sense. Like you need more than just I think he's going into a house and he's black. Like that's not good enough for a police. Like that's taxpayer money being spent on a guy walking into his own house. Right, and there's no repercussions for you calling, um, for you calling the police, them coming, and you just going, well, I thought he was robbing the house. What was the reason? Exactly just doesn't look like he belongs here like there's no repercussions from that like you've called the police on you know a, a trivial issue as it were um and you know now they haven't found anything but they've wasted their time so i think the question that follows on from that is, is, is links very well to Yusuf's question do, do we think things can be addressed and things can be fixed right do we think that systematic racism institutional racism can be something that can be addressed and the reason i ask that is because we have to also add in the caveat of we have to realize that the people who sit in positions of power to influence and change these things are not concerned with it so you know if we take for example boris johnson let's take, let's take the uk for example you know we are asking the leader of the uk to address systematic racism in the uk when he has never been held accountable for the racist comments that he's ever made yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, is that something that we can fix? Man, honestly, I'm glad you brought up the UK. UK is, I don't know, man. It's especially when it comes to racism in the UK, it's so it's like embedded so deep in the core cool. people and those in, like in power. And it's so subtle as well. And I think a lot of people have said this before. The way, and like, I don't know if you guys uh, if you guys have like read this article or, or heard about it, was how um John Bert, John Boyega, you know, the guy from Star Wars actor. Yeah how he was actually scared like to speak out during the protest. He was afraid because his, he's afraid his career is just going to come to a halt. Like that's yeah. it. His career won't move forward because he's speaking out about this stuff. And it happened to, um, I forgot the name of the MP, a black MP went on um, live television and he was talking about, again, racism within the UK. The amount of literally like the television would get, like were sent letters about how like oh, devastating. I mean, yeah, man, you got a lot of hate. And have you guys, man, and this, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's like the word just forgot, like the, um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys remember Joe Cox, if you've heard of it, an MP, assassinated back in 2016, white for yes. speaking out about racism in the UK and everything, attacked by a white supremacist and just literally yeah. forgot. Nothing, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they don't speak, you know, honestly, like it, it's mind blowing the way they just have like brushed past it and they don't bring it up again. I, I always think that I've always thought that um, racism in the UK is particularly dangerous 
reason being, like me and Afka have discussed this at length, at least in um, the, the thing about America is they're very overt with their racism, you know what I mean? Or they're very overt with their ability to kind of use power to dominate a group of people. So when you see, you know, a Southern person with a gun on, you know, a gun in their hand, you're like, you know what, maybe I might need to cross the road. However, the UK, the problem with the UK is that in order to address racism in the UK, the other person has to first accept that racism exists, right? Or accept that that is the discussion. Whereas the way the UK has built up their education system and built up, you know, like for example, Matt Hancock refused to teach um, about slavery because he felt that um, showing people the, the, um, the impact that the UK had on the transatlantic slave movement would ruin national pride. So the, the problem with the UK is that people, you, people don't acknowledge that race and racism is here in the first place. So yeah. you can't even begin to have that discussion because then men are going, you're just making everything about race and you, yeah. all, all you yeah. want to do is play the victim. Or I think play, I, I play was, the race card. Or yeah. play the race card. And it yeah. becomes so much more dangerous because then someone is being like actually racist. Their, their viewpoints are racist. And you're telling them, you know, like, are you listening to yourself? This sounds racist. And they go, no, it's not. Why are you playing the race card? I'm not. I'm telling you yeah. that what you're saying is right. I'm I, the person I don't see color. I don't see uh, color. <laughs> you know I'm the funny thing about that? In order to not see color, you have to first see color to say you can't yeah. see color, right? Even if you viewed the world in black and white, there's still two colors involved. So I can't, I can't understand how you can say that. I, I was uh, I was talking to this uh, about this to Sam and um, I think I, I went to all British school and like my curriculum is like imported in from the UK and we covered like the you know the Normandy invasions we covered the white Vikings we covered um, the the Romans the Greeks blah 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 we never covered like the UK um, UK's colonial past uh, we never covered any of the slavery stuff like. Why are they like you know what I mean? This is this is the recent history where they've went got, gone around dominating people and abusing people, but that's not being covered. But we we cover where they were attacked by like all these random like. It's, it's, it's actually it's like it's frowned upon to speak about the bad past of the UK. That's literally how it is. Like they they don't want you to speak about the mistakes that the UK has made, and, and the amount of money as well. Like a lot of a lot of the UK's wealth was built upon slavery as well. But they don't. They don't want to. Slavery and theft. Especially, especially in Southeast, like Asian countries, like Bangladesh, Pakistan, a lot of like gold and, and stuff. Where I mean, you know, I mean the royal. I mean all of Egypt's artifacts. Yeah, Egypt's artifacts yeah, are in the yeah. museum in London. Yeah. yeah. Have you? Have you? Did you? Have you? Have you all seen recently the Edward Colston statue being the one that was the one in Bristol? One in Bristol, and yeah, Edward, yeah, yeah. like the history of him. Is like he's like the biggest like slave transporter the UK's ever had. Like he killed like sixteen like something like thousand yeah yeah sixteen thousand people died like in like in on his watch in his care and it's like people are like you can't throw you have to do it through democratic means but also he he you know he donated so much money to build up Bristol and it's like so what you're telling me is that because his entire wealth is made of slavery so what Brazil's because he, slavery, yeah. 
Yeah, so Bristol. 1.1% was spent on Bristol. That's a good thing. Like that's, but the other 99.9% he kept for himself, which he literally, that's ridiculous, man. And you know what's really, really funny? So earlier today, I saw a, a post by um, Boris Johnson um, to bring it back to the UK. Um, and he, tw- he tweeted about, you know, the fact that we shouldn't remove statues because they, um, they teach us about our history. But it's really funny because I've never gone to a statue and like learned about like half of the UK's like history. I didn't like I've never gone. I read the name and I read when they lived and when they died and probably how much they've ever donated. I, mean, I never I mean, to combat that, if you want to keep the statues, write right down up. write down what yeah, what what they've done. <laughs> Slavers to sixteen thousand people, blah blah blah. Then we're learning history then. At least we know we can put a face to all these uh you can't pick and choose what history you get to learn. Like that's not how it works, man. You, you, you say, "All right, you want them to learn history, put on full history." That, yeah. Again, that's what I'm trying to say, though. Again, it's it's frowned upon to speak about the the negative sides. That's exactly what we're trying to get. Like, they don't. I I think like what definitely needs to be done is like to improve. Like as you guys are all saying, like it, it comes down to education. If I have like if I didn't take the initiative in like mid high school to to teach myself about this i'll probably still be like i'll still have like racist tendencies and i'm not going to say like i'm completely anti-racist now like i'm because of my surroundings i'm probably subconsciously racist but like as like the current trend not necessarily trend but you you can't be non-racist you have to be anti-racist you have to actively seek out your subconscious and check is this like is this something that I'm thinking about, or is this something that society told me about, or is this yeah. something that someone else told me about? And that it comes down to education. Like, I, like I put in the effort, or like I started reading up a bit more and like started to see different experiences. It's, it's like it's enlightening, but it's like it's, you definitely don't want to acknowledge your racism. Like, for example, I'm speaking in, like an Arab person in an Arab country. I I have a lot of privilege here. Like, compared to like the expats so like I, it's something that i have to acknowledge and it's something that uh like if if if, so, if 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 it comes to a time where i can use my privilege to help someone i'll try to do that but in like the bigger picture it's it's you definitely need to basically like i know it's it, it could be uncomfortable but go through the uncomfortable experience what's stopping you I think what Dima said is right. Like, we're all a bit racist, but like that's how we've been like developed as a biological creature. We, when we see someone, we have to make assumptions because we're not going to know anything about them. We have to make quick like first impression uh, assumptions to be yeah. able to kind of function in this world and function in society. But the issue is one. Like, there's two issues. One is some of these assumptions people are making have real consequences to other people. And second, yeah. like, be willing to change your perception given the information. The, that's the only two things we're asking. Just know that you can have a stronger impact because you're white or you're in power. And then also be, like, once you realize that's not the case, then be ready to change. Like, don't double down on it. I think, yeah. I think, so on, on the education point, um, and, and going back to the fact that this is Consultants Without Borders, um, so I mean, everyone works at workplaces. Have you? What have? What have? Has your thoughts been on? Because every company in the last two weeks has come out with some statement or some 
we stand with you or some square or some sort of marketing ploy. What has your thoughts been on your company's stance from one, like what they, what they publicly put out and two, their response internally and three, what changed behavior or changed actions they have implemented since they stood? You know what, I'll start first. So what I liked about my company's message was, so the, so the message that my company made was literally a message from the CEO and it was very personal. And so our CEO actually adopted, I think it was um, one or two black kids. And this is a white, white, um, white fella as well. And so he's adopted one or two black kids in the US and he spoke about how like he actually had to, you know, sit down and have a talk with his um, son about how it was, you know, when, when he grows up and how every, anytime he sees a police officer, they just stay calm kind of thing, make sure, you know, he doesn't make any sudden movements. And, and to kind of like make him aware that, look, people will be racist and understand, understand that, you know, you are a black child. So growing up, you are going to face difficulties. And he kind of like went through like a, a long speech about, you know, him speaking to his child and kind of, it was personalized. And I quite like that about him. Um, in terms of what they're doing about it as well, they've got a lot of um, like speak out sessions that they kind of just do a one-to-one or um, a, a group Skype call. And they'll just be like, look, speak out if you have anything to say. Um, whether it's private or they want to say it like in front of other people, yeah. which I kind of like as well. But yeah, I, I think I, I, look, I, I will say this, like, and I think a lot of people have already made this point, is that some companies are just literally, you know, right they say the take time, but they're just, you know, following the narrative. It is literally that. It's, you know, no actions are being done. They're saying, yeah, yeah we, are, we, are, we are trying to, like, look for equality and we don't want, you know, we want to kick out racism. But, uh, like, especially big conglomerates like massive global enterprises yeah like, no steps are being taken but like you know oh uh, yeah we, we stand by them full stop like nothing else is done I, like i i kind of i i do appreciate those companies that you know really go out there and say we are investing money into diversifying our employees into raising awareness into stamping out any any you know discrimination that's happening kind of thing yeah i think just before just before i give it to Afra, uh i think on on the on the kind of on the point of what companies have been putting out there's there's been i read an article recently on looking at the things that companies put out through a specific lens um so being conscious of when a company says makes a public statement but don't actually uh, yeah they don't one they don't apply any action right because this is like Dima, like dima said earlier this is something that you can't it's not enough to say that look, I'm not racist and therefore, you know, cool, you don't need to worry about me. If you're not actively speaking out and addressing um, racism everywhere, you're kind of a part of the problem. Two, if you don't acknowledge the kind of racism within your company's past, then you're not going to ever, you know, fix the problem if you don't own up to it. It's kind of the, the, that kind of trouble with the UK. Like, the UK refuses to acknowledge the racist past that they've had. So they can't ever begin to address it. And then the last thing is also be very, very conscious of when you read something and it's directed to a group of people. So I've seen certain makeup brands go to all our black women, right? You know, we believe this and this and this. And what they do, what they're doing by that is pigeonholing their um, words to a specific group of their audience. Because what it does is it then means that, oh, right, if a white person doesn't agree with these words, 
they're not going to be offended because it says two black women, right? And when you see stuff like that, and I was like, I read this whole article and I started like reviewing like some of the stuff that companies have been saying. And you're just like, this is marketing. Like, yeah. how are you going to yeah. direct your, your message to black people? We're talking about racism. It should just be to everyone. You know what I mean? It's, it's either segmenting or re um, kind of purposing the information or like kind of wrapping it up so that it doesn't have the same kind of punch. And yeah. a lot of these companies, not even just like a lot of the message that's being thrown out, even the news to an extent, it's just sugarcoating it so that it doesn't come across as bad as it is or trying to change the narrative so that you can solve. I, I was telling this to Sam again, like a lot of the stuff, like initially it was about George Floyd. Now it's always police versus pro- protesters. Like the fact that it's about minorities and black people, like that message is kind of always taken away when you, when you discuss this in the news now. It's about uh, protesters versus police and uh, the abuse the protesters are having. And let's try and solve that problem. That's an easy yeah. problem to solve because one, like in the future, white people are going to protest and you want to protect them. And two, like this, is, this issue this isn't always going to come. Like people aren't always going to be protesting. You can just provide them a solution. The protest goes away and nothing has actually been solved. So yeah. there's a lot of like heavy marketing being played and it's just Especially depressing. With, like, when you see pictures of, for example, cops with protesters, they're with them. Yeah. And then like seeing like uh, a greener light or like a, a nicer light, like obviously like we're, we're not stupid. We don't know, we do know that all police, like not all policemen have like this brutality, but we're addressed, it's not necessarily we're addressing the, the system itself. Yeah, we're like not attacking individuals police? here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, we're yeah, police brutality. Why, why can people go get away with it? Why can someone have a chokehold on something as minor as a counterfeit bill or a claimed counterfeit bill? Because we don't know if that's true. How can someone enter someone's house and shoot eight times into a sleeping person? Like, murder is murder, like at the end of the day. Like, you don't have capital punishment in your states, but you're allowed to kill someone on the streets. Do you, do you guys have you guys ever heard of the case of Amadou Diallo? No. So, um, I think I think he's from Senegal. So Senegalese man came over to the US um, to study. And um, I think he was in the US for like three months. Um, someone had robbed like a store. They came to, um, the police had found him. He, you know, he's new to the country, so he's a bit scared. They chase him to a corner, chase him um, to his house and shoot him 41 times. Every single one of them was acquitted. And you were just, and when you, when you hear, I don't even need to to know the guy That's was wrong, black, yeah, or like they were white. To know that for you to shoot someone forty one times is wrong. Like wrong. what 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 do you have in your heart, right? Because after after the first like two shots, surely you're like, okay, cool. You know he's dead. Forty one between three. Yes. What, what is that? That's over. What thirteen? Uh, yeah, thirteen, fourteen each. 13, 14 shots each. Like, and no when you one... think about like shooting training, like don't you have to make every bullet count? I'm just thinking like me as a person, if I had a gun, I would want to make every single bullet count. You know, I would want to be like that person who can like have like one go. You know, and then, as, uh, 
Also, like, what's the point of training? Like, what's the point of training? Like, why are you shooting to kill? Shoot to injure. Like, it's not like if you've been trained. Take them out on a Lego sign. That's it. Like, literally, the immobilized. That's it. Again, like, it begs a question. Are they shooting to, you know, get do their job? Are they shooting maliciously? Like, that's, that's in, in some cases, maybe it is just, especially, especially the case that you just mentioned, 41 times. I'm sorry, but that sounds, to me, like malicious. That, that's almost yeah. like an assassin. Yeah, this is, this is. Like, I'm, when you hear um, that, that sheer the, the the volume of it right if i slapped someone 41 times you'd be like why did you why couldn't you just slap them <laughs> one? <laughs> why did you, like why do you need to do it 41 times like i i feel like by the fifth time they got the message so when you when you hear stuff like that it's 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 the system that protects like I, like i don't even i'm i'm not bothered by the police officer who um in you know because I, I'm weary of certain situations, you know what I mean? I live, like, on an estate. Sometimes, if I'm coming home in the night, I'm, a, I'm hyper aware of any situation, right? If, there's a, if someone's coming out from one corner, I'm aware. So I, I, I understand and I imagine being a police officer is being hyper aware at all times, right? And so, especially in the States where you have well, a gun. People are allowed weapons, yeah. And people are allowed weapons. It's like, you're in a situation and a guy turns quickly with something in his hand and you just are like, okay, you let off a shot. Cool. I'm, but it's got to a point that a lot of the cases that we're seeing, it's, it's egregious. And it's like, not only is it egregious, but the system protects... It's in broad daylight. It's in broad daylight. With the camera of evidence. One times, it's lack of evidence. It's you're in the wrong home, but somehow you've managed to fire eight shots also the the beyond the taylor thing you've managed to fire eight shots not at the person who's shooting at you but the person sleeping in the bed sleeping you know what i mean the 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 cases that we're seeing are so like egregious that you you just have to go this is mind-boggling a 14 year kid with a water gun like you can see he's a kid like what are you doing what are you doing and so you know what i mean And, and it's like you have to look at the system because I'm not even looking at each individual officers. I'm like, and then when you look, and when you look a st- like a step further and you look into their history, you're seeing some of these people have rape hundreds. cases against them. Yeah, hundreds they, of people. You know, so many things have been- As- uh, Assault charges. Assault charges. They've, they've used, they've been- They've, they've been fi- fired before from other stations. That's what those 89 cases I was mentioning. It was about people with fake guns. That's it. Fake guns between specific, they had fake guns and it was police brutality related to um, like those being shot, even though they only had like toy guns that opposed it, like oh. supposedly similar. Like, and again, again, like, and a lot of them are, it's weird as well because a lot of those were kids. And it's like, surely you'd think like you'd hesitate to shoot a kid. Like, you just don't see it. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Thank you, man. I'm just, I'm just thinking like when I was a kid, like 11, 12, like, me and all my friends, we all had like BB guns, which look like real guns, by the way. And we were and then also there's like it actually shoots out something. <laughs> yeah, and no, we were going around shooting people and shooting like other kids and like on the streets, like on our bikes. And there's like, and we never feared the consequences. If this was the US, like I'd probably be dead. Have you have you guys like heard about the reason that um, cops aren't like charged for for all these murders that they do? And it's like and. 
it makes you think like does like it's almost like a judge or, or one of the one of those people that are actually like in power needs to take the first step where they say you know what i'm yeah. actually gonna charge these people for yeah. criminal crimes like and, and put them to jail and it's, it's, it's precedence it's yeah. it's setting precedence and like and you see and it's literally like these politicians these judges they're afraid of the um, police unions so the only yeah. reason that they don't kind of like they're afraid that they, they won't get the votes of those specific police unions so they're just like you know what i'm I'm not going to charge them. I want, I want their backing when I run for blah, yeah. blah, blah, whatever. And it's... Going, going, back, going back to that point, like, I was saying that even when there is precedent set, like, it needs to be, like, exactly the same or, like, you're not going to get that case, like, tried because there was a thing where, like, oh, some person was shot, like, next to, like, a jungle or in a jungle and, like, those wordings were put in and so, like, after, like, being chased down by a dog or something. And then someone else was chased down by a dog and then chased down and shot in behind the back, but like not, not next to a jungle. And somehow that got thrown out. I'm like, it's the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's yeah. such a, the world we live in is, uh... I mean, it goes, it goes, it begs the question. It goes back to the point I was making to Sam is the solution is obvious. Like we know what needs to be done. It's not, no one needs to like think super hard to solve this we know what can be done and what needs to be done. The question is, do they want to do it? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, not even to be pessimistic, but will things change? Like, even if it's done, I, 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 you know, in some, in some cases, and in a lot of these crimes that we see, I, I don't see things changing. I, I really don't. I, I honestly think it, you know, and I, I, I see this as almost like a thing where, you know what, Black Lives Matter, one year later, oh, no, they don't matter no more. They, they mattered a year ago. You know, that's... Yeah. that's and like, and again, it's going to be a thing where people are kind of following the current climate. Like, then it's like, yeah, you know, it's a big thing now. I, you know, I kid you not, it, it same thing like will happen again. Like, and I, I mean, you know, movements like this George Floyd have happened before, maybe not on, on, on such a large scale, but they've happened before. And again, it's just ignored or forgotten or whatever. I, I think, I think what what sets the tone differently now is that this is happening. One, we're going through a pandemic. <laughs> Two, yeah, um, yeah, people are going through a much harder time. Like, things are getting desperate. Like people, like there's there's so much buffer that you can have, you know. And two, like there's like it, the things that are happening in the U.S. are setting the tones, like in other countries. Like previously, there weren't protests. Like for example, let's go with the Trevor Martin. Trevor Martin didn't spark, or I'm not sure if it did, but like it didn't spark such a like protest throughout, like for example, throughout Europe. I know there's protests in France and like the UK. There's been protests in like South Korea, and like across so many different countries. Like I, I completely agree with your like respect your skepticism because I have it too. But I don't know why, but this time it feels slightly different. Maybe it's also because we're in an age of technological advancement. Information can go like can can travel a bit faster but um i think it if it i don't think it will be a big change but i definitely think it's a step in the right direction i mean yeah no i, I mean I, I definitely hope to see it you know a change definitely. And i think and i think also what you what you see that is different is that um certain certain people certain companies have been held accountable so whereas before i think maybe if this had been maybe something like four or five years ago every company that had come out and been like, you know, we stand with you, 
everyone would have been like, okay, great. Nice, yeah. But like now people internally within the company are going, okay, you said that, but what what are you doing? What does that mean, yeah. Right, what does that mean? And I've seen quite a few cases of certain companies being exposed. So for example, Vogue, for example, the Anna Winthrop. And yeah. yeah, made a whole made a whole a public statement about how she um, had wished she could have you know she could have done a better job over the years of tackling racism within within Vogue, and then people who had left Vogue were like, she could have. Here's the racism yeah. that I faced that I reported that was never dealt with. So, you know what I mean? Like people are now becoming like because we have social media and you can put anything anywhere it's like you can publicly shame people but also what i'm what i i also really really different is that we now live in an age where people's brands are really really important right so shell in social media as well like for example instagram like losing followers means that you're losing money you're actually losing money right you're losing supporters that those are now and especially in the age of cancel culture you like when people are like Oh, you really don't you really don't support the things I support and you really aren't about the things I'm about. I'm just gonna move my money elsewhere. People are genuinely like now doing that. Whereas before, you know, Shell Shell like throws some oil and kills, you know, an entire biodiversity of of animals. Okay, yeah, but I'm still gonna buy I mean that being said, it just happened in Russia again. Like there's it's they're in a state of emergency, just just had a massive oil spill. That's gonna affect the next hundred years, and no one's talking about it. So I did not even know about that. But yeah, back to your point, Sam. Like money talks. Yeah, <laughs> money money talks. always talks. But um, I uh, back to one of your earlier questions about what did your company do in response to this. So I'm part of a global corporation, and I think I think uh, I'm I'm not sure if it was mentioned before, but global corporations definitely have. I would say a much higher pressure than I would say like smaller businesses in terms of their brand as well. So I think I'm not sure if like my company did it out of the goodness of their heart, but um, like I, um, what they have done does seem a bit um, uh, tangible. They've sent us an internal email before they sent out like their public uh, statements. Mm-hmm. They've asked for for us to share our. Um, like words as well we within our company we also have like a, a group dedicated to um black people so it's like a mini like uh, you would say like union like, like for example we have like a, another group dedicated to women so these people can hold our leaders accountable or like the, the leadership accountable so in, in that in terms of like the initial processes that they started by sending out an internal email then they started branding it across their, their media and um, because of the current pandemic we've, we have received emails from the, our global leader so and for the past two for the past two weeks or for the past two weekly emails that we've received yeah. uh, it has been mentioned and they've been letting us know that they've been donating money to organizations and this is going to be for example the next step that we're gonna have, I believe, is like next Friday. We're gonna we're gonna take a day off. Well, not this, I, I don't think it's an entire day off, but we're gonna take some time to reflect on this and to have like open discussions within your teams. 
Um, I think what they're trying to do now, or what's a work in progress, is that they're going to try and incorporate unconscious bias into training, so address these like different types of diversity within our trainings. So, like all in all, it seems like a positive step, but I am like aware because this is uh, it's an American company, and obviously like there's a lot of stuff that there could be a lot of loopholes but in terms of like the surface it does seem like it's moving in a positive direction and i think like the only thing that we can do right now is just wait and see if they're, they're going in the right direction or at least we can try and hold them accountable but i guess that's what the corporation is doing itself but i think corporations are built from individuals and like from the people and it needs to be addressed within the people people need to address their own racism within themselves because it doesn't matter if the corporation makes the law like there's still like a lot of toxic behavior regardless of which company you're in there's always someone who like breaks the rules right yeah um so it's something to keep your eye out for no i want to i want to before before we move on as well i want to mention and this is one of the other points just mentioned as well was about um conscious bias and addressing conscious bias and this is this is for me like i i just I, I just feel like it's not enough anymore like conscious addressing and trying to stop conscious bias isn't like isn't enough because it, like technically you actually can't stop conscious bias like it's done unconsciously i <laughs> like i feel like i feel like like and, and this is this is what i've seen this is a movement i've seen a lot of companies actually do is um like pretty much the opposite of of conscious bias where they actually like conscious, they, they, they practice conscious inclusion. So what Affirmative they do is, action. So they're actually like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to consciously try to bring in more diversity. I'm going to consciously try to bring in more females into a specific like role. I'm going to start actively trying to do, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, tackle discrimination by looking for discrimination instead of just waiting for discrimination to, or, or discrimination cases. To yeah, be that's a fair point. And I feel like, you know, and I, don't get me wrong, a lot of companies are doing this, and I'm not trying to slack off those companies that are, you know, have this um, movement currently going on. But yeah, you know, I just, that's kind of my opinion put in there, thrown in there. I mean, I, 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 I agree. But uh, in terms of like um, addressing or like bringing in those people, it, ha it has to be long term because you could have your first batch be completely diverse, but after two years, that, that batch of students, like all of you diverse, like, it's, it's also about the retention rate, how are you keeping them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's also, and also having the diverse leaders as well, because for me personally, if I don't see a woman leader up there, like, let, let's look at in, like, in a different aspect, if I don't see like someone on like the leadership team who is a woman, mm. I'm most likely thinking, I probably can never make it there, I'm going to leave when I can. Yeah, I think on, 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 that, on that specific point, it isn't, it isn't enough to bring in diverse people or a diverse group. And this actually, this is a really nice topic to flow into our next conversation. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't think it's right to, as a company, hire a group of diverse people when you haven't addressed, you know, unconscious bias or you haven't made the workplace um, a palatable place for them. Because all you're doing is bringing a group of people who are oppressed within their outside world and bringing them into a workplace where they then have to go to war in their workplace, right? Like, yeah. 
you you wouldn't you, you can't you you wouldn't hire a group of women and you know bring them to a, a company that's full of men who are sexist like why like why would you do that if you have it's, addressed- it's kind of putting responsibility on the people being affected to solve the problem so it's like yeah. oh we don't have any diversity bring in a few you know variety of diverse people and let them teach everyone what they're doing wrong it's like that's not their job like they're not equipped either like we're not equipped because we like we studied engineering that's what we can do like we're not equipped to talk about social problems we we do we can provide an opinion but we're not the best people to do that there's people who study this yeah people are paid to do so people who are paid to do so on the on the diversity um front in the workplace. Dima, would you like to... Uh, yeah, so this is like the perfect, uh, I guess, bridge second. to go to our second topic, which is discussing about diversity in the workplace. So um, we discussed, in our first topic, we discussed just about the Black, Live Ma- Black Lives Matter movement and just the current uh, climate. And I think it's, it's nice uh, to discuss, like, what does diversity mean to you in your workplace? And like, how do you think it benefits or... Um, doesn't benefit uh, within your workplace and it's not just diversity in ethnicity we also talk about diversity in gender diversity in sexual orientation age uh, yeah. education like where did you go to school what did you study and uh, religion as well so, so take, the, uh, take the floor or I, I guess i could also start because um, out of us four, I'm the only girl. <laughs> um, and I think we, would, we, be... to mention... we did extend our office to two other girls. <laughs> we extended the offer. The other girls just didn't come. You <laughs> <laughs> throw us into the into the. No, no, no! I'm just saying in this in this context. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's not your fault. <laughs> Anyway, I, I just want to talk about my experiences, one, in terms of like studying uh, studying engineering, which is a male-dominated, um, uh, a male-dominated okay. degree, and also being a consultant, which is also a male-dominated uh, a career. So in, in these, and also I studied in the UK as an international student, and I'm uh, at the international office uh, in, uh, the UAE. So, um, in, the, in in that respect, like I guess it's for me somewhat easier to to identify diversity. In that, if I'm in a, for, for example, in at university, I was in a group. It's uh, a group. There were five guys, five British guys, and I was the only female and international student. It's at work. My first case, I was part of a team of ten, where I was the only girl. But in terms of ethnicity, like it was pretty diverse. We had people from Europe, we had people from Africa, we had people from Asia. But uh, that didn't, to me, it still didn't feel diverse because there wasn't enough gender diversity. There wasn't enough uh, um, age diversity. There was like a lot of young people as well. So having those different views are really important. And um yeah, Why? for me, diversity, because, for example, in the in that team, let's talk about my case team. Um, I was the only girl in a group, of, like in a team of 10. Whenever, 
like whenever I wanted to discuss something, I had to like literally raise my voice because my normal voice would always would normally be discounted. Like I don't think they mean it in the way, but I had to notice that I was interrupted like I had to repeat my statements and I know and being on my current case right now where the majority is female I never had to repeat myself that's because like we take the time to listen whereas like in a in a biggest in a <laughs> I, I don't mean it in that way but I mean like in terms of like it's 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 easier for me to talk in a in a group that has more females on it than in a in a group where there's a lot of men on it because um my voice was not being heard if that makes sense yeah yeah often uh, your points yeah and it's like and, and then i hear someone like i, I hear a guy t say the exact same points that i've done and i'm like i just said that and it's like how come like whatever i'm saying is not is not like the same and in, in, in that in that case like the ethnicity, like like I said, we we covered like a lot of different, uh, different like we covered different educations and like different ethnicities. But because of the the gender diversity, like I personally didn't feel that it was diverse. But coming on to like my second case, or um, it was actually the opposite in terms of um, we had more of a diverse gender, but in terms of education and ethnicity, I was the odd one out as well. So these people went to the same university and they knew each other from before and um, they they spoke another language that I didn't speak. So it's like that causes, like obviously it's not their fault, it's easy, it's easy to speak in that language for sure. It, it just but draws a line, yeah. It just draws yeah, it a just, line. It, it just, line. it makes it feel like exclusive in that sense. So, and it's also like, like I, I I studied in the UK, so like for example, when I write, I write in British English. However, when they write, they write in American English. So whenever like they were reviewing my work, they would correct my my grammar or they would correct my spelling into American. And it, like for me, I can recognize the difference between American and British English, but like to them, maybe they didn't have exposure with someone who was like who had a British education. Like to the like I had to explain, no, this is actually correct. Is just slightly different to what you're doing but mm. um so like in, my point out of all of this <laughs> rambling i guess is that um having a diverse workspace i think promotes better better conversations you have more knowledge that like, like i'm very glad that my office that like, all in all they're quite diverse like i've got to meet a lot of different people from different places where we're lacking, I guess, in gender diversity, but that's across the spectrum for cons consultants, like within the consultancy industry. It's not, it's not just within my company. So, um, uh, so like what, and also research has proven having a more diverse team, you get better results. You have more original ideas and more creative ideas. So, so um, how would yeah. you tackle that? How would you bring in more females then? So we're actually doing that right now. So I'm part of uh, like the women group in my company. <laughs> like I, it's it's weird to say women group because we have an actual name, but I don't want to disclose my company's name. Um, so we're what we're trying to do is that we're we're providing scholarships for undergrads so that they are interested in coming to our um, our office and our company. We're providing different workshops. So this is this is at like the early stage right 
Yeah. Like before you actually enter the office. And uh, so we're spending a lot of time in trying to get more recruitment to have more, to have a higher ratio of females entering the company. And um, with that's currently in progress now. What we're working on is also like a sponsorship program within the company itself. And we mean sponsorship is to have someone uh, who is more senior than you help you work through your career. So for example, I'm, I'm like, I'm at the junior level and there's like there's so many levels until you can reach a manager for example and typically most females leave at the uh, like I would say two or three years in whereas to become a manager you have to stay five or six years so they're they're working on the weak spots between the two and three years in trying to address the problems that female consultants face there for example if it's lack of work and life balance they try to that they're um, being more lenient in the part-time uh, part-time flexibility. They're being more lenient in like maternity leave. Um, they're being uh, they they having of a mentor from once you reach that stage, so that they can we can we can talk about your career and what what you'd like. And just putting a lot of effort into that area. And another thing that we've also done is that. Um, we've created like this like safe space I would say where mm. um, like all the girls can get to know one one each, each all of like, uh, sorry we can all get to know each other because previously it was hard to meet other other girls it's only if you've been in a kiss with them before or if, or if they're in the same batch as you and you you would hardly see everyone in the same space so what we started to do is having offsites specifically for women where you can get to know one of each other and we're starting to have programs for example random group lunches where you go for lunch with like all the female crew and like, there's a lot a lot of initiatives in that in that aspect when they connect a lot. when they connect <laughs> mentors are they like do they do they you know go through and filter through the current available mentors and say you know what this person would connect good with this mentee or is it just a thing where you know just throwing you know names no in the no, no 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 it's definitely so what we try to keep um for more see like for example someone entering like their third or fourth year we try to look first for a female person in their fifth sixth or seventh year if you cannot find a female person we try and find like a male ally so someone that maybe they've previously worked with, but um, no, it's definitely, you definitely need to have that, like some sort of chemistry. Like that person is, wants to fight for you. They want to keep you, right? They want like the more, the more, the, the more female partners that you have, like the better it looks in general. The, um, so like it, it needs to be someone that can drive you to stay on the screen. So, um, it's, it's like it's it's basically a sponsor it's like someone who who wants to be there because like it's a lot of work from the sponsor side like from the mentor side like they're going to be asking questions and it's um, it's a lot of investment yeah i think let's let's get to your views i'm sorry i talked a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's like a lot of rambling i'm so sorry like it just <laughs> just <laughs> exited um in terms of like the positives of diversity and I, I try to avoid bringing up topics that themes already mentioned um for me and this one kind of hits as well on a personal level is um like and 
a personal level on, on all those that, that would be affected with it as well. It's kind of like learning from the coaches. And that's one that I quite like enjoy as well, personally, is like having that, having that diversity, whether it be age, like wisdom from those of old age, or whether it be, you know, a young person and just learning about current trends, or whether it be someone from a, di a totally different culture or a totally different um, religion from you and learning about like that kind of stuff. I feel like, you know, that kind of, and th this kind of, this stuff tends to happen like during, you know, your coffee breaks or lunch or something. And that's kind of like, I feel like that's like, you know, that plus side of your, your you know, your work day kind of being able to sit down, converse and get to know somebody like on a, on a more personal level, get to know their background and, and learn something new. I feel like, you know, that, that's, you know, but you talked about it in your coffee break. Like, you don't think it benefits within... Oh, like, the company? The I, feel, I'm, I'm like, I feel like it addresses more like the individual within that company. So kind of like helping that individual grow or... And, you know, are you trying to ask how it benefits the company, right? I'm trying to ask, like, in terms of the work itself. Like, if I, I'm not sure about your work, but like my work, we're, we're, we're a team. We, we bounce ideas on, off of each other. And I find that it's like I the idea of bouncing is more like you have more opposing views. For example, if you're having a lot of if you have people from different backgrounds, right? Like someone who's old, someone who studied in this place, someone who's uh, from this, like someone whose ethnicity it works, is different. It works the same way around, Dima. What about like you know understanding similar views? So then you know it, it's one thing to constantly constantly bounce off like opposing views. But if you don't take the time to actually like understand that person's opposite, like opposite view, like and understand where they're coming from, and that, that's what I'm trying to say, like understanding the background, the culture, so that when they bring up a point, you're like, you know, I see your side of it. I can see how you came to that. Like that's that's how I think it can affect like affect like the actual work. Like you can actually see like the strengths that that person has. I like, can understand like how, what he brings kind of to the team. You get what I'm trying to get out of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I get. I I think that you missed my point. I, I was trying. Can you not? Like, was, can you not do that? regardless of if they were diverse or not like let's say they were all like white men they would still kind of understand where they're coming from regardless yeah, if you're all white men there's no diversity in the first place so then no, all no, kind no of that's fine but i'm just saying like the point that you know aiding work i think your point about understanding background and um understanding kind of where everyone's coming from is great but i think dima's asking how does that have tangible kind of results for uh the work you're actually doing i think that was the question the hesivity like that teamwork is like in terms of i don't know about like actual you know tangible outcomes like an actual results maybe not so maybe you know maybe i i i, I can't give you an answer to be honest but mm -hmm. in terms of the process of getting to that stage i feel like that cohesiveness like and that good teamwork i think it helps there definitely I think to, like, work well definitely do you have any kind of instances where like you is maybe at uni where you worked in a team where either it was an issue or it wasn't an, like like kind of either you know you were the only person or you were in a kind of diverse like do you have any anecdotes about the topic well i've, I've got that at the moment where it's 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 not so much um result it's about like career progression so i'm currently working with someone about career progression and, and, and continuous professional development and like again this is something where it's kind of hard to just sit down and think about career progression if you've not actually got to that stage. Mm -hmm. Whereas it, it'd be unlike in some cases, you know, it's kind of hard to connect with somebody who's already been in the industry five, six years. This person might have kids, has different yeah. responsibilities. His day-to-day -day life is very different. 
So being able to like, you know, connect like to that level so that, all right, now I kind of, now, you know, I understand how, how, you know, I can do what I can do to get to his stage. And so obviously his process would have been different to get to, to get to where he's at now. And my process is going to, you know, be very different. I went to a totally different school, totally different background. He's, he's a, you know, a, a white English male. I'm like, you know, someone of, of um, you know, I'm North African or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's very different. So yeah, I, I feel like it's helped. And this again has, you know, it, it has happened to me. It's definitely helped to understand what I can do now. I think like a, a tangible example that I can give is like possibly in marketing. So when um, I think in the past, there's been a lot of times for, I even let's, let's just talk about like our previous example about uh, like Black Lives Matter movement, where companies, their marketing team probably does not have a black person in and they're trying to market to black yeah. people. Oh, get a perspective. Like, <laughs> yeah, get a perspective. Yeah, oh. it's like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, uh, like how can, like, like it's, it's like weird. Like last week I just had training on something on, you need to listen to your client. Like you need to listen to your customer. And if your customer are black people, that means that you need to have a black person on your, your team. There's been like so many instances on like where I, I forgot like, but like when advertisements would run something and it's like politically incorrect. And if you had someone on your team who could spot that. And like, speak out at the same time, empower them to speak out. Monkey in the t-shirt, that was, that's a, a prime example where, you know, if there was, if there was someone black on that marketing team, they would have, they would have straight away been like, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna put a t-shirt with a monkey on it and put that on a black model and be like, yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. They would have been like, you know, someone would have said, no, nah, not a good it's idea. Insensitive, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and yeah, that's. I, I think that's a very good example. Again, marketing is, is yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, my my take on this is um, obviously I don't know my personal experience. I haven't really um, sought for diversity or like felt it. But like then again, I'm, I was in Mackenzie. I was kind of limited to the amount of girls that I could work with. Um, <laughs> But there's like there's like five girls and like you know girls uh, and like out of like 250 or something like i don't know i, I can't like I, I think to address that quickly like when dima was speaking about um starting early that's the thing like a lot of when i went to school a lot of the smartest people in math and science were girls in my class but they all ended up doing law or like journalism or something non-technical and i just don't understand that i think that's where that's where it needs to be addressed if you want people to come in you, it's too late by the time you get to you know starting a career you can't be like we want to get 25 percent, 30 percent girls when or women when there isn't that many women to start off with and you obviously want to pick the right people for the job to start with so you can't just be handing out jobs so you have to start at the beginning oh, yeah. So you have to start at the beginning, and I, I that's so that's one thing. And on the, on the similar topic, when I was working at the medical device company, I was the only person of color, and like it wasn't an issue. But the industry, medical devices, is just not advertised for other people. Like it's just not a like reasonable career path for people of like. I think like an example that you can use is like for example band aids or like plasters. Yeah. How is it only this year that they're making colored, like, like, why, why haven't they been making like brown band-aids or like flesh colored uh, band-aids for across the, the spectrum? It's probably because yeah. 
there's no one like in that industry. They just thought they were addressing the issue when they didn't realize there was a whole different market to address. But anyways, that the issue, I think in terms of getting people into the workforce, if you're trying to solve that problem at the point of hiring, I feel like that's a bit too late. It needs to start very like earlier on. And I, I think your company is doing the right thing by kind of targeting these uh, girls at a younger age to get them into consulting. So that's very good. And then- there are industries though, Afka. Do you sorry? think there are industries out there that, you know what, maybe, maybe you can't actually bring in diversity. Do you think those kind of industries exist? I, I, and kind of what already comes to mind for me. Go ahead, Afka. I, I agree. I think there are, there are industries where it doesn't make sense to like, have an old person like there's some jobs where it's only for young people like you can't like you can't have like a 80 year old firefighter like i'm sorry like that doesn't work now you're more of a hazard than the solution uh, or um you, you know what i mean like there's things where you like you can't have like a certain group of people like and that's not discrimination it's just a fit for purpose the issue i think we're discussing is when you can be fit for purpose and yet you're you know there's an another barrier or there's a you know separation that's where the issue is anyways let me just uh, wrap up my point about um yeah, go ahead. Uh, diversity and in, in the workplace i think it helps um avoid clicks and avoid kind of um favoritism when there's a variety of people when the, like when i was working in a group at uni where there was me and someone else who was non-white we would band together and the white people would yeah. like band together. Like that's just natural. You kind of form clicks. Whereas if you have more diversity, there's less clicks. And then if there are clicks, at least there's someone you can lean on when you need to. Like when I was working at uni and I needed something done, our culture is get it done. Don't worry about, you know, patting yourself on the back, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, yeah. It might not be the case with some of the other cultures I was dealing with, but the, because I had someone else who I could kind of be like, yo, let's get this done. And then I don't have to like think about how I motivate him or how I'm taking because there was the diversity in the team. Whereas if there isn't any diversity, then you're never going to realize how to deal with people. And as a consultant, that's your job. You're dealing with people and solving people's problems. And having a variety of people helps you solve that problem maybe in a more optimal manner manner yeah you get so many different perspectives as well like there's so many there's so many instances where like we try and think of the customer right we're like okay we're trying to sell this product for example would yeah. you buy it you're like young you're female like but obviously i can't speak for all females right <laughs> or like i can't speak for all young people so it's like having that that the different perspectives especially like i guess in marketing or like selling a product is like is this viable like um like for example if it's only a white male it's like mm. yep i need this uh golf uh club yeah but like if, for example if you're selling it at a sports store but like if you think about other i'm, I'm trying to make an analogy and i'm failing yeah. really bad <laughs> I think I think going back to Yusuf's point, industry specific, there are certain industries that are kind of you need to have diversity. So medicine, you need diversity so that because different people from different backgrounds have different problems and you can't understand everything. It, it's easier when when you're part of that. If if you even stay on the diversity um, on the medicine front, the lack 
of diversity within medicine has been highlighted to cause major problems. Yeah. In terms of, for example, if you take um, if you take black people, for example, certain skin conditions have not been um, researched, researched or discovered within black people because it doesn't appear on the skin in the same way. And so you go to your doctor and you're complaining that your skin, you know, is, is behaving in a certain way and they're going, well, I can't see it. And it, but or they give you white medicine, like, which doesn't address the issue. It doesn't address yeah. the issues. So the, pig, the pigmentation of your skin is different. And so the way the, the, the illness kind of appears on you is different, but they can't see it. Yeah. And because you don't have diversity in, in your research department, no one ever thinks like, yo, let's actually go about researching this to see. Take a look at how this, yeah. Look, yeah, on, on, on diverse skin. Or, I for example... Like, for example, sickle cell as well, right? It only yeah. occurs, like, in, like, some African countries or, like, um, like all, uh, even, you know, malaria, it's, like, if, if you go, if you go to the country, like, if you get bit. But, like, I completely agree. And it's not also that. I think also in terms of, like, there's been a lot of reports in, for example, like, black or uh, people of color, being the patients and they're complaining about their symptoms and it's not being picked up. Yeah, they're complaining about the, the amount of uh, pain that they're feeling. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know when, you, when you actually look at the history of medicine and you go, you know, why would you not think that this person is in pain? And it's because um, when you look at it, like obviously from um, the, like the days of slavery, they would like just be operating on people yeah. And they'd be operating on people without any anesthetic, without any, you know, pain management. And it's kind of from then has trans like has just transferred through history till now where you've got doctors who like someone is complaining that they're in pain and they think to themselves they're just overreacting. You know, I've heard cases of like women coming to the hospital saying they're in labor and the, the doctor like turns them away. And they refuse to leave, and then they give they give birth three hours later. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's the, those are the kind of things. So medicine law again, I think it's easier to fight for someone when they look like you, kind of things. Yeah. Um, consulting because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're helping people, and it's easier to help people when you know how people think. Um, marketing, I think, is another one. So kind of these industries, you can't, you can't not have diversity. I think like the industries where possibly it could be like less diverse, I think is like maybe more manual mm -hmm. stuff. For example, manual, like, because that's, that's more of a physical test and like it's more, it's a tense, like I'm not saying a woman can't do it, but it's. No, I mean, it, you have to accept like what, yeah. genetically we've been given as well like genetically men tend to be a little bit stronger so yeah so you have like that's i mean yeah that's the thing like there are things where men can't do but at the same time same time there's things that women should definitely be involved with but they're not so like i think yeah, i think exactly. politics and um conflict resolution is very like testosterone based like i don't think it, it should be like that and um there should be more, more women involved. New Zealand Prime Minister. Good example. <laughs> I don't know her name, though. She probably know her name. <laughs> For the news, she's lit. I don't know her name either, but I've heard good stuff about her. So. 
Uh, that's another thing that I think I've noticed is that like for people of color or for women, if there's like an article, the label it's not, first. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the label first. It's like, oh, this black woman did this, but it's not like you don't put her name. Yeah. Or like this African person or this person from this country or this female scientist did this. So, and, and Florida man. Florida man never gets a name. That is just that's it's again with like terrorists like they don't put down like you know it, it's literally just like you know this this person again I feel like it's just it's what sells articles and what sells papers like that's what causes kind of, panic yeah what causes separate separation sells exactly, yeah exactly and I feel I, I you know and that's kind of why they do it like at the end of the day it's it's, it's an opportunity to them like mm -hmm. it's a bit... Cool. So, uh, I think, um, Sam, should we move on to? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think diversity, diverse. Uh, so, I've, I've often said this, and I said this um, at my company the other day, and I said that diversity in the workplace can never be addressed if you have, I think you should always have safe spaces. So, so you know, you always have, you know, being within your company and women within your company. Um, you know, you have those safe spaces for those people to be able to talk to each other and um, uh, and talk to each other and feel safe and feel like they're able to um, um, feel safe and they're able to kind of talk um, their things out. However, diversity or diversity and inclusion as a whole can never be... Yeah, I said, I, said. <laughs> um, I think diversity and inclusion can never be like solved or um, addressed if you have a group of people doing it right. So like in most companies they have, and I, and I, I don't know about you, but they have a diversity and inclusion lead or a diversity and inclusion team. And the problem with that is that you then make diversity and inclusion like a one person or team issue because you're not going to have a diversity and inclusion person sit in every single person's yeah. interview, right? And that's how you make a company diverse. You, you need to, um, because, like, are they going to be sitting in every interview going, you know what, that, that Asian candidate, he was good, you know? Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, don't forget your unconscious bias. Like, was he better than the white candidate that you interviewed? You know what I mean? So I've often said that, if, and, and Salesforce as a company do this really well, they don't have one. They think diversity and inclusion should be a company-wide issue and it should yeah. be discussed by everyone. Yeah, it's, so, not, it's not a one-person, one-team issue. It's an everyone issue. It's an everyone issue. And so two companies realize that as a whole, their entire company needs to be aware of those things and to discuss those things and to go into interviews. Have like training. Going, with, yeah. with the training. Because how many companies before when you're, when you're being trained to interview people, teach you to address some of the unconscious bias that you have, right? Teach you to address, to see people exactly for the skill sets that they can bring, yeah. rather than how they sound, um, how they look, you know, um, you know, all the things that you can physically see. And it's, you know, it's really crazy. So in um, reading a book, this, this really hits my point. Um, I was reading a book, uh, again, by Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about how um, um, in the classical music industry, when they used to um, um, listen to, you know, like 
I mean, what would you call them? Not artists, but like musicians as composers. Okay. Compo- no, not yeah. composers, like musicians. Okay. So you know, let's say you're you're looking for you know the fourth clarinet netist okay. in your orchestra. What they realized was it would always be men. Um, and then um, one one time they did a blind kind of listen, so that everyone you'd come in, you you weren't allowed to say, you weren't allowed to talk. You just had yeah. a number. They would call out your number, and you would come behind this blank screen, and you would play the instrument. And they saw something like the the amount of women um, in the orchestra rose up by something like fifty percent, because now people were kind of listening to the music and yeah. not making prejudgments and pre and and uh, they weren't making judgments about the person based on how they sounded or how they looked, because immediately they would look at someone and go, mm, well, he's not a male, yeah, well, that person is not male, so can they really play the French horn? And it's not, it's not even like consciously. It's like, because... That's what I'm saying. Again, unconscious bias. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, in, in, yeah, we can't... You, when we're, you know, people are making this decision, it can't be a passive kind of, you know what, I'm going to keep an eye on diversity. It's like, you need to kind of be active about it. Because when I, I did um, inter- interviews uh, for uh, my previous company, and... Um, I would like with my manager and like, I just remember him saying, it's just like one of the persons didn't have a strong CV, but he was like, I liked the sound of her. And like, in the sense that like, she seemed energetic, blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't mean anything. It's just, you can be putting that on. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah, the, but all the, all I, I those... disagree with that in terms, I disagree with that in terms of like, grades don't define you. No, no, I'm not saying grades define you or don't define you, but like, you have a cutoff point for some of these things and like all these other people who we were bringing in for interviews, you know, they met the cutoff point and they sounded okay. Okay. On the interviews. And then this person just sounds a bit more energetic or like, and has a good voice, a good sounding voice. And somehow they get through and like, it's not a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying they were definitely being judged on whatever, what was not on paper. And if we're going to be equal, you judge everything on paper, you, you have a set criteria and you judge everyone on the same things instead of being like, I didn't, like, you know what I mean? I, I, when you talk to me on the phone, I'm never going to sound energetic. I'm going to have a mon- monotonous voice. And if you don't like it, is that a reason for me to not, like, get a chance at the face-to-face interview? Like, that's, that, that was the point I was making. It's a great area. It's very subjective, that kind of stuff. Like, especially yeah. it's like, you know, are they the right fit for the company? Like, and I, again, this exactly. is, it's, honestly will vary person to person. Like you will find. I, I, think, I, think, I think that question is, are they right fit for the company? That's a very slippery slope because if you're a company full of white people, it's like, yeah, they're not really a fit for the company, are they? That question, that, are, they, are they fit? You know, you know what's interesting about that? If someone isn't fit for the, a company, the fit for the company, um, the definition of that isn't written by a company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Google does not write, like, this is, this is what, like, a person from Google looks like. The people who make those decisions are the people who work for Google, who hire them. Right? HR, yeah. You know what I mean? HR. So it's the person that's interviewing you that defines what Google is going to look like. So when, when people I... are, it's such a weird thing when people go, well, he's not, a right, he's not the right when when I when I when I, I, I disagree in that sorry because like, in in our company I would say like for example a couple of 
months back, we had a few interns and like we could tell who could stay on the company, like who, who will be receiving an offer and who wouldn't be receiving based an offer on what in the way that they based on their interactions with us. Like based, like, because it's, it's not just about no, but that that's interactions. Like, you, you've you've had time, to, you, you have time to spend with them. We're yeah. saying on based on <laughs> first, <laughs> first, inter- first, first, in- first uh, exposure. Based on the interview, you can't make that decision based on how they are with you, how they speak, you know, how they interact with you. Like, do they, you know, when they come in, do they ask you how your day is, like that kind of stuff? Like, no, but what I, but what no, I'm no, saying, we, we agree with you. I think I agree with you. What I'm saying that's different from Dima's situation is that Dima, what Dima is talking about is a group of people who work at her company looking at a group of interns and making judgments on no, how they behave and how they interact we, it's, it's not one person going because yeah. because what you're doing is by one person that one person is the gatekeeper and what i'm saying is that what they feel the company is the right fit for the company is based on their initial feeling it's not right. you know what i mean it's very abstract it's that's not that's it's not actually sense. you know what i mean so yeah, I, guess, I, I guess, I guess, what I, sorry, I, we're, we're all interrupting each other. My, my point was like, in our company, we have like the certain culture, like we're all different, obviously, but we all have like the same elements or like we have something that we can identify within each other. Like, for example, it's, it's super easy for me to connect and click with someone from any office because I like, we just have it. It's like my company's DNA. There's no, de- de- definitely. Like, what, what, on, what drives you to work? Yeah. But is that is that written somewhere? So, because at Google, yeah. so I, I mentioned earlier. No, I no, mean, it's it's not written. I don't think it's 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 not written, but it's 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 spoken like in within recruiting and like it's something that we speak about. But and it, it's I'm subjective. pretty sure it's like within our values. It's, yeah, we have okay. our values. No, but, see, it is it is written because you're looking for. A, a specific criteria within people. So I mentioned Google earlier, but Google do have a definition of the type of people they want to hire. And it's this thing called like Googliness. And like they, they interview for it. They, they ask like generally, what do you think Googliness means to you? And how would you define it, right? And based on your answer is how they kind of assess whether or not you would fit within like the company of Google, right? And so I'm saying, like, there are some companies who, within their quote-unquote yeah. DNA, have it written down. They're like, this is the type of individual that we're looking for. We're looking for this, this, and this. But a lot of companies don't have that. And what ends up happening is the interviewer is kind of the gatekeeper, and they write down in their head, like, this is what the right fit for my company yeah. is. Yeah. And then so when their company isn't diverse, and they're like, oh, we're not diverse. I wonder why. I'm like, well... It's, it's that one person. I think, I think going back to Dima's point, um, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, you had interactions with these people, multiple interactions, and then you made a decision. I think the point we're making is, like, the number of data points um, before making the decision. Yeah. Your company, um, Sam's company, these companies, they have multiple rounds of interviews from, with different people. That obviously adds, you know, a variety of data points where you can make a more informed decision. Whereas when the medical device company I was working with, it's the same guy interviewing everyone. And if he thinks you're cool, you get us, you know, you come into the interview and then he interviews you again. And then he interviews a third time, but it's the same person doing all three interviews. In which Correct case, because, was huh? that a small team though, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was like a, a team of like four people, three people, right? No, no. Um, the company is um, 600 people. Like it's a medium sized company. 
No, no, as in that, it was like a small little office, right? In that office, right? It was only like three, four of you, right? 30. Oh, all right. Maybe I thought, I, because well, when I mentioned the point, I was referring to, I think what you did in placement. And that's what, I, that's what came to no, mind. No, I'm, talking, I'm talking about placement. It was 30 people. All right, because maybe, because I, I thought it was like a small, like a small team of like three people. That's what I mentioned mm. that point. Like, yeah, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, he's only working closely with these three, four. Exactly. People. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's a direct intern for him. So yes, he has somewhat of a right to decide what this profile is. But I just think right fit, it can only be answered by multiple layers of uh, data points. Like you can't have one data point and be like, I don't know. I don't think he's the right one. But anyways, um, I think we should wrap it up. Um, yeah, I think we should also have like a disclaimer. We didn't discuss everything, diversity. Like, we know that it's a lot more complex than- uh, Yeah, I think diversity, <laughs> same, same with the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, we kind of just glossed over it and the kind of our current, you know, feelings towards uh, the issue. It's, yeah, we obviously given more time could discuss at length about those things. Um, any closing remarks about any of those topics uh, we just discussed, uh, starting with uh, Yusuf? No, nothing. Um, just, you know, if, if, if they have any comments or, you know, if, if they have anything to add, just kind of add it to the comments if we have a comment section, that is, after. But yeah, yeah like, what we don't, have, we don't have a comment section. Like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a comment section. We don't. <laughs> We're not on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> we, we yeah, could I guess be. nothing for me but just you know practice diversity kind of I, I would the one point I was sticking to the end was kind of like the conscious inclusion so like consciously trying to trying to you know include other either cultures backgrounds etc how I'd, I'd like to end it yeah don't don't be dismissive immediately yeah check check your privilege <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, do a lot of research on like uh, um, racism and like the history and like the, the different um, systematic uh, structures that are in place. Uh, in diversity, I highly suggest researching it because I'm pretty sure like everything leans towards the positive. And yeah, over to you, Sam. Oh, uh, what do I want to say? I think if you're trying to address any like major issues such as sexism, you know, um, ageism, um, racism within a company, these are things that can never be like addressed in one sitting. So, you know, in, <clears throat> in order to check your privilege, um, like Dima said earlier, it isn't, uh, I've educated myself, so now I know, you know, because these things are per pervasive. They're kind of in society, they're in things that we watch, they're in things that we consume. They're and evocative. They're, they're, ev I don't hey. know exactly. <laughs> Does it fit? Does evocative fit? I, I'll allow it. Okay, we'll allow it. Um, they're evocative, um, as Dima says, um, but they're constant. And so because they're constant within society and everything that we consume, in order to battle them within yourself, right, the battle and the, and the things that you need to address have to be constant. It can't be, uh, well, you know, I've read up on sexism, so now I know. It has to be things that you address every day think about all the time and kind of when you when you say something you kind of think to like yourself like is that racist is that sexist and if it is you know go and you know go and address it within yourself and apologize for doing so also like i, I don't know i don't know about you sam but i've always had 
people always ask me like the randomest questions <laughs> and i'm just like i'm not i'm not your confessor <laughs> like do your own research like do your independent research don't ask like silly questions because yeah. i I'm, I'm not here to educate you i don't get paid extra to educate you like yeah. i do i do my job which is the same job as you but you also want me to be your teacher while at work nah I, I I mean I have a partial sense in that I I don't think I need like or we need to answer those questions but at the same time like don't feel bad about asking those questions because yeah. because ignorance is what leads to all this in the first place if you're not sure about something and it's even if it's stupid you can ask and if I don't want to answer it I'm not going to answer it because I, I'll be, I'll literally be like that's stupid go to look it up in Google or if it, or it might be a nuanced issue where like it's very hard to find information on the internet where my perspective is actually somewhat useful. Like, I, like I, I agree, like, I shouldn't I, I, be... I, I, no, I, I agree with you, but I think what, like, co common sense prevails here. Like, if, if I've never met you before and you're coming to ask me, like, about a woman's problem or, like, my ethnicity or, like, if, no. about Muslim stuff, I'm just like, no. Nah. That's fair. If, if, you're co if you're a colleague on my team and you're genuinely curious, yeah, like, for no, sure. No, that's fair. I mean, yeah, build, build a report. Don't just... Uh, but boy, but then again like anyway. at, at the same point like i don't mind if anyone does that but that comes down to like my personality like i'll just be like i don't want to answer it or i will answer it anyways let me uh, wrap up um it's okay to be wrong just be um okay to change as well like in the sense that you might have some sort of preconceived notions about some some ethnicities or some other people but like once you realize you're wrong like be willing to change don't double down on it because for some reason it's an ego thing or a prestige thing like i think that's where like what i've seen is where people realize they're wrong but they've committed so like let's commit further instead of being like you know what i'm gonna change my stance so try and practice uh just accepting uh, your mistakes and kind of being able to change. Great. So moving on to, uh, wait, did, Sam, did, did everyone have a closing remark? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to our final segment, our favorite, the list segment. Um, this week's topic is what are your top three uh, favorite phone games? What? And phone games. Can, game game, can, I be, can it be games in general? Yeah, I think it should be games in general. Okay, fine. Games in general. I like. I like. I'm gonna. <laughs> I lied. I don't. Can I go first? My 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 three. Uh, have you have you guys ever played Bounce? Yes. On the Nokia. On the Nokia. Yeah. 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 Oh yes, 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 yes. What was that? Bounce. The the red ball. The red ball that you used to like go yeah. through like hoops. You had to go through like certain number of hoops. Well, is it the one that you're kind well, of like, free falling? No. Yeah. Not that one. No. I don't know. <laughs> no. Like, oh, wait, bear in mind, there are so many similar games. Like it's like the nah, same. Nah, nah, nah. nah man. Everyone, everyone like knows this. Everyone knows about bounce. Bounce was one of it, uh, one of its kind. All oh, right, you, you mean you mean bounce? Ba oh, I I think he means bubble trouble. Oh no no not bubble trouble. Yeah, not bubble trouble. I don't know what that is, but yeah. I know it's bubble. Classic game. Wait, what was the second one? Snake. Yeah, snake. Agreed, definitely. Classic. Uh, yes, if you like snakes, don't you? 
and then the last one is this game I'm playing called Dead Spreading. <laughs> nope, never heard of this. A shooting game, um, but yeah, but bounce, bounce has always been my favorite game. Um, you can't even play it now. Yeah, you can't even play it now. But when I was younger, I didn't have a phone, so I'd always steal my mum's phone, and it was. Oh like, yeah, it's it's the same for me. Like whenever I could like steal someone else's, like someone who was older and who they had bounced, like it was perfect, like perfect thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like how, um, how to keep so, a child quiet. Very <laughs> Um, I'm gonna. I'm sticking to phone games. Um, so I like Candy Crush. I like Flow Free. And I remember when the iPhone, like the iPod, was first launched. Tap Tap Revenge was pretty big. Ah, classic. Tap Tap. Um, I'm gonna say. So I'm. I'm gonna do a mix between some phone games and some like actual like console. console yeah. Um, I'm gonna start with like GTA, like a classic. I just kind of like really enjoy that kind of free. I don't know the chance to beat up cops and then to beat whoa, up whoa, the guy. Whoa. You, like, <laughs> you, you do seem rope, like, like a G- GTA kind of person, though. Like to be able to like you know actually like ha- like do Grand Theft Auto, like and actually just steal a car, like and pull and the way you can just get to like pull the guy right out of the car, like I don't know. I, I enjoy that kind of free world kind of thing, like you know I driving think a you car. You need to right go right to right psycho- right. Uh, a psychologist. <laughs> We're gonna have to take half the word to a psychologist with me, basically. Then, because I'm at a people, you know. It, yeah, it, yeah, true. The deeper issue with that as well, like when you actually think about it, like the amount of people that enjoy that game as well, if there's something more to it, like. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'd also pick like I I really enjoy like um, puzzle games on the phone, and I quite enjoy I'm, the one I'm playing now. I don't know the name of it. I, I mean, my phone's right next to me. I'm just too lazy to pick it up and unlock it. I check the name, but it's um, it's like one where you have like um, test tubes, and basically you'd have like six or like eight test tubes, and then you'd have to you'd have like colored balls in them, and you'd, it'd be like I think it's like four balls, and then you'd have to like put them into like empty test tubes and try to like get all the colors. It's something like Rubik's cube, but with test tubes. Nice. And I'm- Bear in mind, like our, our viewers can't see what you're doing; <laughs> they're basing it off your your oral description. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it makes sense. It's almost like Rubik's cubes, but using test tubes. Of and course, so, yeah. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna assume uh, your final game. Um, my final game. All right, I, I couldn't think of a third. I'm actually just gonna go off on the limb and just say like racing games on my phone or something like that. Uh-huh. Just, like, yeah. Uh, you know, it, like if I had to profile you, it'd be so easy. <laughs> How would you profile me then? <laughs> a GTA racing games. A- Rubik's cube bait test tube game, like come on now. I say that, but I barely. I I mean, bear in mind, I don't actually have a console at home, so I I don't play. Yeah, I um let me let me finish this off then. Um, I think like my favorite game is like Spider Man on the PS2. I, like when I played that for the first time, I'm like damn, that was sick. Like just open world kind of. I think that's the first time I was exposed to that. Um, I like Assassin's Creed. I think, I, again, I like the open world aspects of it. And then there's a game called uh, Block You. Where is it? Um, Block Doku, where it's like Sudoku, but like with like Tetris pieces. And it's just a puzzle-based game. And that's what I've been playing every day. And, and chess. I mean, yeah, oh. chess, chess is a sound. <laughs> Sick game. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 1,200 rating. Come at me. 
<laughs> I mean, if anyone wants to have a Pokemon battle with me, uh, I'm oh, you should have said Pokemon. Okay, yeah, I should. Have said I mean, Pokemon. I was. I should have said. Pokemon. I was I was I was sticking to phone games, but yeah. That's fair. I'm an avid Pokemon fan. Yeah. Um, Boy Advance, I used to love it, man. Yeah, you know, me and Dima play uh, on on a simulator on the computer, and uh, I think I've lost like every kind of actual <laughs> proper game we played. You never won. I think I, won, I, won. I only won the ones where like the teams were generated randomly, and then like I got a good team. Yeah. Fun. Anyway, thanks, viewers. Anyways, yeah, okay. I'm gonna wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. This was Consultants Without Borders signing out. Dima, Sam, Bye. Yusuf, and Afcon. Thank you.